Okay, I give up. Where are you? Over here. In the hydrangea bushes. <laughs> there you are. Catch. Wait a minute. What am I doing? This is a very interesting situation. Please give me my robe. Man doesn't get in a situation like this every day. I'd like to have my robe. Not in Bedford Falls, anyway. Ouch! Oh! Gesundheit. George Bates. requires a little thought here. Give me my robe. I've read about things like this, but I never... Shame on you. I'm going to tell your mother on you. Well, my mother's way up in the corner there. I'll call the police. Well, they're way downtown. They'd be on my side, too. Well, welcome back, everybody, to Take Me to Your Reader, discussing adapted holiday fiction at its best and worst. I'm Seth. <laughs> I'm James. And I'm Colin. And it's Christmas time, so Merry Christmas. And uh, we are, of course, coming with another very traditional uh, Christmas title. Actually, not all of our titles have been very traditional, but this one actually kind of is. Um, and that Depends is... on the household, apparently. True. We'll, we'll, we'll get to that. Um, but in this case, it is It's a Wonderful Life, the 1946 film starring Jimmy Stewart and Donna Reed mm-hmm. and Lionel Barrymore. And it is adapted from something we've never had an adaptation of before, which is a greeting card, a Christmas card. Right. A Christmas card. Yes. Yeah. Written by, yeah. written and privately published by Philip Van Doren Stern. Right. Um, he wrote it in 1939, published it privately in 1945, and through some circumstances, it became the basis of one of the most beloved films of all time. So that's what we're going to talk about. Yeah. I don't think I was aware that it was adapted until last year. I had no idea until you right. mentioned it. Yeah. Yep. Ditto. <laughs> yeah. So I guess that answers the question of what's our history with the material in terms of the written part. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, nothing. Uh, but how about experience with the movie, Colin? Never saw it. Never saw it. See, I don't remember when I haven't seen it. <laughs> really? <laughs> For Christmas. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so this is an, uh, one that you watched a lot as a yep. kid? Yep. Okay. Yep. Very familiar. Nice. So this was not one that we played in our house. Mm-hmm. Um, Growing up, it was A Christmas Carol with George C. Scott and White Christmas. Right. That was pretty much, the, that was our Christmas viewing. That's it? There was There was also like a... I guess what you would now think of as like a Hallmark movie called Christmas Eve <laughs> that we recorded off TV at some point, and my mom just loved it, and we watched it almost every year as well. What about what about Rudolph? I mean, yeah, we watched some of the Rankin Bass stuff as well. Okay, but okay. in terms of things that like the whole family watched every year, it was pretty much just a Christmas Carol and White Christmas. So, and Joyce Scott Christmas Carol, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and and no other. And I mean, for that, for more history on that, you can go back and listen to our. <laughs> I think that was our first Christmas episode, wasn't it? I think so. Yeah. So then, like, then we went a bit astray on other things. Yes. Yeah. And now we've returned to our hallmark of uh, adapted science holiday fiction. Right. 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 <laughs> yeah. Which we'll have to answer that question at some point. Um, but yeah, th- this was one that my wife's parents watched every year. And so so when I went to her house for Christmas for the first time, that was the first time I had seen it. Wow. And they were shocked oh, that, wow. that I had never seen it. <laughs> um, so you know the feeling. Yeah, I do. So <laughs> the story. What's the story, Colin? Oh my goodness. This is <laughs> this is an unusual adaptation in that the movie is a superset of the content in the book. Right. But uh, you know, I think I think we could forgo the the warm up and talk about the core of the story. Yeah. So there's a man who uh is in despair of living living any longer mm-hmm. and uh gets rescued by an, an old man and in a moment of, of further despair says, I wish I was never born. And the man says I grant you your wish. Mm-hmm. 
And then he has a series of experiences finding out what what life in the place where he grew up would be like without him being there. And then he realizes that uh, although his life wasn't all the things that he wanted, that he was uh, cherished and loved and affected many people. Yep. And that's the end of the story. Yes. And yeah, like you said, I mean, this is yeah. this is that Pretty one much. of those <laughs> good adaptation circumstances where you have a small story that can be expanded into a movie without anybody going, hey, you did a bunch of violence mm-hmm. to that story. Yes. Um, because for me, and so we'll, we'll talk about the story, and this is, this is certainly something we've never done before, a Christmas card. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, and I do invite everybody to check out, you know, if you can find a copy of the book. And when I say book, it's heavily scare quoted because it's a, it's a little hardback, hard, hardcover book that we got from our library. It's maybe 30 pages. And that includes a long afterward. Yes. If you listen to the audiobook version of that, it's 55 minutes long. Mm-hmm. The story is 25 minutes. Yeah. And the uh, reading of what comes after that, which is the history of the story and its publication mm-hmm. and adaptation, is another 25 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. And we'll, That's we'll funny. Yeah. recapitulate all that here. Um, suffice it to say that, you know, the thing basically went viral. Because he he sent it he he right. printed two hundred of the cards sent them out to his family and friends and they passed them to other people, hmm. and through whatever circumstances happened uh, a movie movie uh, production company got hold of it gave it to Frank Capra and the rest is history. Wow! So, so that was the story. Now should should we argue whether this fits <laughs> into our science fiction mold or if it falls into Rule One, which is our podcast our rules? Right. Or, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How far outside of our podcast our rules? Well, how how much? <laughs> is that the factor here, right? Because we talked right. about with this, with this with Die Hard, with A Christmas Carol, A Christmas Story. Uh huh. Um, yeah, we've we've stretched the definitions of science fiction even <laughs> even on our Halloween episode, right? Well, it did have a picture of space in the beginning of the movie, so it does. Yeah, there were stars and planets. <laughs> yep. so that's science fiction right there. Mm-hmm. Alternate history, you could make an argument, but I think it probably falls more into <laughs> fantasy. You could describe it as fantasy, mm-hmm. although really. Any sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable <laughs> from, from magic. How many times have we invoked Clark here? <laughs> right. So let's talk about the story. Okay. Uh, I mean, in this case, the greeting or the Christmas the card, card. Right. Christmas card, right. Yeah. Um, I read it in, in uh, at the Portland airport before flying out oh, to, really? to uh, San Jose. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so When was this? Uh, whenever Ethan and I went, uh, September. Oh, okay. Yeah. So the story, uh, seriously... I mean, you're not going to be spoiled on it because most of the events in the story happen in It's a Wonderful Life. There's a couple exceptions that Colin mm-hmm. noted down carefully. Yes. Um, <laughs> That's my job. Yeah, he scratched them on his arm with a, mm. with a sharp stick. But uh, yeah, I'm not really worried about spoilers for a right. 70-year-old story. Okay. Or the movie. Right. No, well, everyone except for me should have known the movie because this was the first time I have ever seen it. Right. It's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Mind blown. <laughs> Yeah, so I, I thought the story was quite delightful. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed the audio version read by Edward Herman, who I know most as the the dad from Teen Wolf and the head vampire from The Lost Boys. Yeah. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yes. I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Oh, and the doctor who cracked up on Mash. Oh yeah, yeah. the blood. <laughs> I, I can't can't wash it off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just just remembered that. That's a super young Edward, Edward Herman. Herman. Yeah. yeah. But he's got a, got a nice voice. Did you only listen? Oh, no, you said you read it as well. Yeah, I read it, gave the hardcover to Colin. We never got it to you, so... And then right. by, by the time Slackers. you got around to getting it, it was on hold and yeah. it's not due back until the 31st, which right. is too late. So what would you look for in an adaptation of this short 
tail. You know, given that it was so short, I would expect all the all the right notes and beats to be there. Mm-hmm. And I was a, a little shocked to find in the movie that they weren't all there. So which ones hmm. stood out to you as... As missing? As missing, yeah. Uh, the dog at the parents' house. Hmm. There's a little more involvement with the the bank, the savings and loan, where he is going to go over to check that the lights are on, and it's you know you know been out of business for decades. Mm-hmm. And there was yeah. a third one. Oh, that Mary, who wasn't named Mary, I think. Yeah, I think she was. She was. She yeah, still I think she yeah. was. Yeah. yeah, that Mary had actually married one of his, uh, you know, cohorts from right. school, mm-hmm. and was in a very unhappy marriage with. Uh, Art, yeah, and, right. and a couple of rats. Yeah, Art, who was a drunk. Yeah, yeah, and his kids were scared of him. That's all you're missing. And the brushes. There you go. And the brushes. What the brushes? <laughs> yeah, and the so, whole salesman kit, which I guess yeah. was the brushes. I feel like the the bank stuff is. I mean, the, the fact that the building unknown is such a big character that basically takes the place of all the involvement with the bank, other than checking that the lights on. Yeah, when he mm-hmm. goes into the town and sees the strip clubs and the dance halls, and I, now I'm talking about the movie, mm-hmm. uh, he goes past the bank and he talks mm-hmm. to somebody and says, you know, what happened to the bank? Well, it's yeah. been closed for 20 years. Right. right. Yeah. So same, similar kind of thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the fact that the uncle had cracked up after the, after it was closed, right, is uh, analogous right. to Art going to drink because he worked there. Right. Because he, he got the job because George wasn't there. Right. The name is the same, George Bailey. Right. Is it Bedford Falls? No. Okay. Couldn't remember if they ever named the town. I, I mean, it's don't such, think they did. It's such a brief story that yeah. it's really not very well developed in a lot of mm-hmm. ways. And this is my, my major thing was I read it and I'm like, what did he really have to complain about? Why was he contemplating suicide? <laughs> and, and the movie goes a long way. Well, I don't way think, I don't think that was the point though. Right. Yeah. I think, uh, I think the point of this, well, the point of him thought contemplating committing suicide mm-hmm. was to spur him into the moral of the story at the end where any man who has friends is rich or whatever in the movie or in the book both was that in the uh, the book i believe so i don't i didn't remember that being in the book you can second check me okay well i don't have a hard (laughs) copy of it so we'll we'll, we'll go with your explanation the the themes are there though yeah 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 that life is a gift right Uh, from this point i think we should just talk about the movie and and we can sprinkle in you know things that Mm -hmm. because you're right it's it's basically a superset right (laughs) the movie is superset yeah Yeah, and it's quite the big superset i mean they spend yeah i want to say an hour and a half developing George's mm-hmm. life and then mm-hmm. the fall of George's life. Right. And then the last half an hour of the movie is real almost directly from the story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with a couple a couple differences. I, I yeah. thought there were a lot of points of fidelity, like the fact that he's thinking about jumping. Right. Um the the wish I've never been born, that that dialogue from the movie is taken right out of the book. Mm-hmm. Um the scar on the tree, slightly different circumstances, but it's a right. it's a litmus test. Right. Um, of course, they added a couple others. Right? Like the car not being there either. <laughs> right, right. Well, and Zuzu's pedals and his mouth bleeding. Right. Yeah. And his hearing. Right. Yeah, I forgot about that one. Although they yeah. never they never came back to that one. No. Well, what did you, what did you think of the first hour and a half then? <laughs> well, I was honestly sitting here kind of wondering, like, when are we getting to the movie? And, you know, what's what's going to come afterwards? And um, so, yeah, uh, there's like an hour and a half of development and then right. the story. Yeah. And then about... Five minutes of postlude, mm-hmm. which aren't in the book, right? Uh, but you know, all in all, it it has that development that I think you were wanting. It's like, mm-hmm. why does mm-hmm. George want to jump off that bridge? And, right, or why should we care in the first place? Right, exactly. Yeah. yeah. The other thing that the movie does is it adds an antagonist. It, right. It adds Mr. Potter. Potter. Right. That's that's completely not to be know. confused with Harry Potter. Correct. 
He's not. <laughs> well, everything, including you know, all of his friends, the people that offer him jobs and investment mm-hmm. opportunities, his dad. Mm-hmm. There is so much which was not even mentioned in the book, but mm-hmm. is needed to to make George uh, a fully developed and relatable mm-hmm. character. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, it shows how he keeps sacrificing and what kind of a man he is. And then mm-hmm. at the end, I do feel like it's a little abrupt that that you know he he has this one bad day essentially. That it, it, it reminds me of the killing joke. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. He doesn't, he doesn't completely crack up. Right. Um, but I think there's some indications that had been building for a while. Um, just in some of the dialogue. Yeah. Yeah. It's not necessarily shown because it has to happen kind of quick. Right. Um, but the transformation of, of Jimmy Stewart, even all his body language is really good from happy George mm-hmm. to very unhappy. Cracker George. George. Yeah. Although not happy George. He was, he was in various states of unhappiness for most of his life. Because mm-hmm. he wanted to be elsewhere. Yeah. Well, if you want, we can segue into something that I brought up while we were watching it. Yes. Yeah. Let's do that. So George, George, uh, as a young man in high school, dreamed of leaving town and he was supposed to go to college. Mm-hmm. And on the eve of him leaving, he goes out on a short date with Mary mm-hmm. and they make a wish by breaking windows in somebody's house. Which I don't <laughs> recommend, particularly to any of my children that might be listening. Yes. And you kind of get the feeling that Mary wishes for George to stay. Well, the next day, George's dad has a mm-hmm. stroke and dies. And so George sends his brother away. And this begins the uh, the assumption of a bunch of burdens on George's life. So it's Mary's mm-hmm. fault his dad died. It, it is. <laughs> but I drew... She wished for that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I It reminded me of another movie I'd watch. Careful what you wish for. <laughs> by M. Night Shyamalan, uh, Unbreakable. Right. Where the main character... Oh, I can't even remember his name. David Dunn. David Dunn falls in love with this young woman, but he has a destiny that he has to that he's supposed to fulfill. And he can't do that if he's with her because she is totally against football and violence. Mm-hmm. And they're in a car accident. And after he rescues her from the car by ripping the door off the car, mm-hmm. uh, he realizes this is his chance to put aside his destiny for her. Mm-hmm. And then for the next... 15 years, perhaps. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's not really talked about. He lives this extremely unhappy existence of job after job after Mm -hmm. job. And he isn't living up to his full potential to what he wants as his dreams. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, that's George's core motivation. And then, uh, in, in the movie, it's a wonderful life when he's about to lose the bank, then he loses everything. Right. Yeah. Because he's, he's already considering himself a failure for not having left and then the mm-hmm. bank fails. And so the one thing that he has sort of done. Right. It was the tipping t- point. Yeah. 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 And you can tell that from the way he treats his, his wife and family in the house differently, right? right? The house is bad. The car is bad. The kids are annoying. Why do we even have them? Why do we have all these kids? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Why did you even marry me, Mary? Yeah. <laughs> I did think it was interesting that, that when, he asked her that that first time, and she says, because I didn't want to be an old maid. <laughs> oh, and, and, yeah. And I thought that was that funny. <laughs> in the alternate reality, she is an old maid, which, you know, in a lot of ways, the the movie and the story do not treat Mary very well. They're like, you know, her, right. her happiness depends on this one man. So I think it's possible that Unbreakable was adapted from <laughs> okay. the movie It's a Wonderful Life. <laughs> you know, I, I was looking at the Wikipedia. <laughs> I, th- I like it. It's a great Normally you're the guy who's going to say, nope, 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 nope. <laughs> well, no, I, th- I think these are one of these deep, deep revelations that I get, much like the one I had with Frankenstein. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no we're, nope. We're not going there. <laughs> you can go back to our Frankenstein episode to listen to yes. Colin's crackpot theories. Crack. <laughs> 
Um, <laughs> you mean creative, insightful, and uninspired? <laughs> yes, exactly. Well, at least one of those. Um, I wrote down, neither the movie nor the book are woke. Mary is only happy because of a man. Doesn't pass the Bechdel tests. No, nope, like this is true. Um, well, even at the end when the, the black lady maid comes running in, I saved this for a man or whatever well, was, I saved right? this for a divorce in case I ever get yeah. married. <laughs> I love that line. There's a number of very, hilarious. very funny lines in the movie. <laughs> He's making violent love to me, mother. <laughs> and I'm not sure if that's the old, you know, I mean, this was in the 20s in the movie chronology. Right. And I think at that time that meant wooing or you mm-hmm. know, courting, but who knows? She could have been trying to scandalize her mother. Well, it would have been in the 50s. Not not in the story. It was Depression era. No, I mean, in the movie. But the movie was... Post-World War II. No, not, not yet. World it was War pre-World War II. Came, came a lot of the way through it. The scene the scene with Mary and George is, well before, is before oh, World War II. So it's probably oh, in the 30s. Yeah, 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 I see what you're saying. I yeah. got you. My yeah. bad. Yeah. So uh, Harry, their brother, lived from... Well, in the second movie timeline lived from mm-hmm. 1911 to 1919. Yeah, I understand. I, and so that was yeah, when was he was eight of, and was, and was, was also somehow nine years old. Right. <laughs> <laughs> they Claire, up Claire said he died when he was nine years old and when he looked at the year, it was 11 to 19. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I mean, almost nine years old, right? And he was born in sure. January 1911 yeah. and died yeah. uh, in December of... Right. Yeah, yeah almost, yeah. Well, even um, if he was born in November of 1911, yeah. he could have been nine years old. Right. Yeah. Almost. Yeah, eight all but eight nine. Eight if you count the nine months of gestation, then, then we're <laughs> <good>. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Capra, this you you heard in the after materials. This is the favorite mm-hmm. movie of, that he ever made, and Jimmy Stewart was a big fan of it as well, mm-hmm. right? Um, but in adapting it, you know, after getting the story, he said that the two main ideas that they wanted to adapt were no one is born to be a failure and no one is poor who has friends. And right. they, in the movie, they kind of combined that into a, no one is a failure who has friends, hmm. which I thought that was interesting. You know, there is a consistent theme of, of people rallying together to support each other. That's mm-hmm. the original point of the savings and loans mm-hmm. was that people put in money and they would loan this money out so that people could build houses and get out of right. the tenements in the slums. Mm-hmm. Yep. In the, in the Wikipedia article, there's a uh, kind of house on America or the FBI had a report about the film because it was considered mm-hmm. a little bit communist because oh. the main antagonist <laughs> oh, really? is like a Scrooge character. Yeah. He's, a, he's a capitalist. Right? right. And, and the, the heroes are, you know, sharing wealth mm-hmm. in a lot of mm-hmm. ways. So, Bailey Park is a commune, I guess. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Not sure I'm buying yeah. it. No, I. But no. I thought it was funny. So originally, the movie was slated to be released in January, like as a New Year's picture, more than a Christmas movie. Okay. Although. Yeah. Yeah. Is this a Christmas movie? It certainly features Christmas. Right. Well, only in the last twenty minutes. Yeah. It's a Christmas movie at the very end, but <laughs> for the a, first hour and a half. It's a it's Christmas not. movie as much as Die Hard is Christmas movie. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> I think it, I think it might be more of a Christmas movie than Die Hard. I don't know. <laughs> Jimmy Stewart is pretty old to play a recently graduated kid. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yes. Um, but I do love the the whole dance scene, you know, where they're almost falling into the pool. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, what brainiac decided to put a pool under the court? But, and I do love the, you know, when they're when they're walking home and she's in the robe and he accidentally steps on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and she hides in the in the hydrangea or whatever, yeah. you know. <laughs> and I love the. This is a very interesting situation. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell your mother. She's just down the block. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yep. Captive audience there. No, the, the, and then, then she's like, what? She said she was going to call the police. Right. Like, oh, they're probably sad with me anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of woke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or not. <laughs> I don't know how that scene would have played out if his dad hadn't died. There was a lot of physical right. humor in the movie. Mm-hmm. And uh, a lot of subtlety um, and innocence and, uh, you know, longing and love. I, I was very moved. Mm-hmm. Did you cry? I teared up a few times. I do want one of our listeners to explain to me what Hee Haw even... I, I, I remember the show Hee Haw. But this is well before Hee Haw, the show. It's probably just a thing. Was it made up for this movie, or was that a thing that people at the time would have recognized? Oh, he's one of those guys. Oh. <laughs> what, what does that even mean? This is just a thing that this kid does, and then they kept going with it in the movie? Colin is Googling the question. Excellent. This is what happens when I don't make him record on the laptop. All of a sudden, pulls the laptop out and Googles stuffs. Why do they keep greeting each other with Hee Haw in the movie It's a Wonderful Life? They do it as kids and adults. They are admitting to being jackasses. <laughs> As youth, they are simply playing around, nice. but it is simply an in-joke carried forward through the years. I like that. That, that seems plausible. <laughs> it's it's probably their version of not. Yeah, I guess. Maybe. I like the jackass explanation. Yeah, that's a good one. I'm, I'm on board with that one. <laughs> it just seemed obnoxious to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Maybe that was like, the point. Exactly. Maybe it's a wonderful hee-haw. <laughs> uh, anything else to talk about? I feel like we're giving this one short shrift because we're tired. <laughs> Possibly. Well, you know, normally the things we would argue about are lack of uh, adapticity, you know, how, how accurate it is, mm-hmm. except it, it's pretty <laughs> like accurate. And, and you would argue that adaptation means change. Right. You know, the one thing that I think we haven't talked about is, well, I know, you know we talked about that too, is, is how effective the preamble of an hour and a half and the postlude of an hour, of 10 minutes works. Yeah. Well, this, so this is something, something to talk about. Like, I remember watching it for the first time and I'm, I, was, I was like oh this is an interesting story you know it it, mm-hmm. it kept me interested but I had nothing no expectation of what the story was going into it mm-hmm. so did this I mean I saw you pull out your phone a couple of times so I'm like is Colin getting bored a little bored okay I mean <laughs> it, it's a pretty long running time it's it's over two hours yeah like I said I was this waiting for true. it to get to the meat of the story and it just kept going right. and going and... <laughs> but it, it I think it lays out uh, George's life pretty well. Mm-hmm. You know, when he's on that bridge, you know exactly why he's there. Yeah. And he's there through a combination of circumstances that he has created and that befell him. Mm-hmm. Um, if I have any beef with the movie, it's that Porter got $8,000. Potter. 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 I, I was also trying to figure out, I'm like, if you mis- misplaced $8,000, misappropriated mm-hmm. it, essentially, that was the charge that was being leveled against you. Right. And then your friends came and ponied up $8,000. That's not necessarily going to answer the charge of misappropriation of funds. <laughs> no, but what will happen is, is they will do an extensive search of, it, of mm-hmm. all the records and there will just be the $8,000 was accounted for and then it left and we don't know where it went. I suppose. And also it was the DA there who, who ripped up the indictment. Right. Yes. So, so I suppose that's fine. I need, I need the legal legal guy on, on uh, YouTube right. to, to analyze <laughs> this for me. What's, what exactly happens to George at the end of this? And I mean, yeah, like yeah, you said. I Mr. think he probably would have gotten away with judgment of character. There's no way this guy would have misappropriated $8,000. That's not a great legal argument, though. Um, yeah. I mean, they could just say it was misplaced. They use character witnesses all the time in law and order, so. So what we're really saying <laughs> is that there is more to this story. And we want to know where it is. Yeah. But. Did you look and see where the what their uh, source was for the cost of the film in Wikipedia? Because you said what, it was like ten, when in the book. Oh, the the film rights, said fifty. Yeah, I think <laughs> in the Wikipedia entry it, it said that he got that Philip Van Dorn Stern got mm-hmm. 
$10,000 for the film rights. Mm-hmm. But I thought on the... Yeah, in the afterward, it said... I thought it said They 50. said they bought it for 50 Yeah. Which he yeah. might not have gotten the whole 50 I guess. Mm-hmm. Urban legend, it is commonly believed that the characters of Bert and Ernie on Sesame Street were named after <laughs> Bert the cop and Ernie the cab driver. Right. <laughs> However, in a correction for the 1999 Christmas quiz... Series writer Jerry Jewell confirmed that, as per producer John Stone, the shared names were merely a coincidence. Despite this, <laughs> the 1996 holiday special Elmo Saves Christmas references the rumor. <laughs> Why not, though? I mean, it, it's a, yeah. it is a coincidence, but – and, yeah, the Henson Company came it's out funny. and said, yeah, it's it's just coincidental. Right. But, but when you think about their physical aspects, too, where, mm. where Ernie is quite a bit taller. Right? That's funny. Yep. I like the part where they're serenading the young lovers in their moldy house where they're yeah. going to consummate their marriage. Yeah. Uh, and then, then the, the shorter guy leans over and kisses him. And the, the guy just boxes his ears. Yeah. Oh, he pushes his, his head down. Yeah. He boxes yeah. his hat. Like, yeah. And my my other favorite line is the, uh, you know what the three most beautiful sounds in the world are? <laughs> Breakfast is served, dinner is served, or lunch is served, dinner is served. Well, should we rank them? Sure. Hmm. Oh, James looks complented, thoughtful, <laughs> right? Contemplative and conflicted. <laughs> I think it collided in Colin's mind. Oh boy. <laughs> um. Well, kind of leading towards the audiobook I listened to, hmm. because I enjoyed listening, hearing about the uh, background of how it became a movie. Hmm. Interesting. Maybe just because I've seen the movie a bazillion times. Yeah, so yeah. Hearing the new uh, this new aspect of the movie mm-hmm. intrigued me. Yeah, you're the one with the deepest history with the, with the yeah. movie. Going with audiobook and movie. Book movie, I guess. Okay. Uh, I go movie book. I, I do. This is not a movie that I like to watch every year. Um, to me, it's very, very sweet. Sweet to the point of, I mean, it's dark <laughs> in a lot of ways. Um, but, uh, I, I mean, part of it is too, I'm just, I'm kind of turning into a bit of a softie now. And so, like, I, I don't like watching movies that make me tear up. <laughs> uh, so. Maybe I should watch Die Hard. I haven't watched it in, since we did it for the podcast. So You should. I have already watched White Christmas and Elf and Arthur Christmas. You, you of course, started with Die Hard. Right. right? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Colin. I'm going to go movie, audiobook, book. Okay. And, and I say that because I think the movie provides so much more background mm-hmm. and answers so many questions that are in the book. That's an unusual statement for me, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, who are I think- you and where's my Colin? <laughs> <laughs> so George Bailey was never born, and so this is the Colin we got. Right? <laughs> it's not the Colin you wanted; it's the Colin you deserve. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it, it's a unique adaptation of such a small thing, right? It's, it's kind of like um, eight o'clock in the morning. You go back to the original, you know, the cardinal mm-hmm. example. One of these times, we need to do a. In case you haven't been with us the whole time, what are the inside jokes we keep <laughs> referencing? Um, but if you go back and listen to our episode on They Live, that's where mm-hmm. the 8 o'clock in the morning thing comes from. But the story was literally called right. 8 o'clock in the morning, and it's like two pages long. <laughs> and they and they flushed out an entire mm-hmm. movie out of that. Yeah. And that's where being a short story comes more in handy. You, you got the core idea, and then you get to play off on that. Yeah. Well, right? all you yeah. have is the core idea, right? Yeah. I remember uh, listening to Orson Scott Card talk about writing Speak for the Dead. This was the book he wanted to write, and he had already written Ender's Game as a, as a novella. Mm-hmm. And he decided, you know what? The title character should be Ender. And so he expanded it out to a novel. So mm-hmm. if you've ever read that novella and the novel, oh. the, the novella starts with him, mm-hmm. with his army, saying – 
remember the enemy's gate is down. So it starts with him already in command at battle school. Uh. And so he said, when you adapt a shorter work into a full novel, you start before it and you end after it. Um, because that way you don't have to do much violence to the actual right. core of it. And you can yeah. just add flavor and color and smell and umami. <laughs> <laughs> right. So what are we doing next? Oh, we're going to go back to... Uh, wait, 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 wait. What did you rank it, Seth? I did movie book. Oh, okay. Right. Yeah. Okay, just checking. Wait, but you listened to the audiobook, too. He it's, did three, but so it's not an adap- get three. It's not an adaptation. If it was a radio play, I'd <laughs> yeah, rank, but, but rank it separately. Yeah, but he ranked it movie, audiobook, book. And since I didn't read the book, I don't get a chance to do that. Mm. But you also read the book and listened to the book. Yeah, and you have so to rank it. Which rank experience was better, listening have, or do, reading? Do you, guys, do you guys remember who it is that, that creates the posts <laughs> <laughs> on the website? <laughs> creates the show notes, does all the editing? Uh, yeah, no, I consider the, the audiobook and the book the same thing. Because because all the material, Ooh. including the supplementary material about the, the development, but someone else was in the book. But someone else didn't read it to you. Yeah, I know. And I listened to it twice. So, so you didn't get like their didn't inflection and their... Adaptation through mm. voice. Nope. <laughs> not an adaptation. It's a performance. It nope, is a performance. I'll yeah. give you that. It's it's different than if you have your, you know, text to speech read it. It's a performation. Yes. Okay. <laughs> uh so the, the next thing we'll do, we'll we'll go back into real future and Oh, we up. have a we have a audience request. We do. For a Brave New World sometime next year. There's not a feature film. There's only a television movie. I think there is. There's a couple films. Looked up on IMDb a while ago. Okay. I'd be fine doing that. Yeah. But yeah, in the meantime, we're, mm-hmm. we're, we'll continue do some, doing some of the shorter stuff. Right. I think the next one up that we had a request for, I can't remember if it was Phil or somebody else on, on Facebook, said, I for one welcome our new ant overlords. Um, because <laughs> there's an H.G. Wells story in, in real future called Empire of the Ants. I mistakenly oh, nice. said Linogen in the Ants, which is a different story and oh. a different movie. But that one looks like it's got gigantic animatronic ants, and that sounds <laughs> awesome. Sweet. <laughs> so. Yeah, there is a 1998 adaptation. Another TV movie. TV movie, yeah. Oh, with... Uh, Peter Gallagher. Peter, Peter, Peter Gallagher from While You Were Sleeping. That's my Ooh. favorite Christmas movie, other than White Christmas and uh, Christmas Carol. Other than Die Hard? No. Say it. Say it. No, White Christmas. Uh, while You Were Sleeping this. is awesome. <laughs> Those are going to be hard to find. Uh, TV movies? We will investigate yeah. what, we can, what we can do on that, but we're not doing that in January. In January, right, no. I think we're going to do Empire of the Ants. It'll, it'll be a nice short one. Charlton Heston movie, Joan Collins. Yes. Yeah. Should be good stuff. Chuck Cage. I like it. Mm-hmm. Empire of the Ants by H.G. Wheels. Oh, this is not Charlton Heston. It's Joan Collins, Robert Lansing, oh. John David Carson. Maybe you had me all excited. Maybe Chucky is in that Boo. mine engine one. Okay. Well, we'll sign off then. Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. You know, this movie is all about uh, the importance of friends. I'm thankful for you guys, my friends. Uh, I'm thankful for our listeners. You know. Don't cry. You know, yeah. Real men don't cry. <laughs> you just wait another 10 years. You'll be an old sappy guy like I am. Yes. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, thanks for listening. Leave us a review if you want. That'd be cool. Shoot us an email, feedback at pavementpodcast.com or on Twitter. Yes. Pa- Pavement yeah. Podcast. And until next year, really, and we're not yeah. going to yeah. until January, we'll leave you with the Pavement Pounder's blessing. May the road rise up to meet you. And remember, no one is a failure who has friends. Very touching. Nice. Good sentiment. All right. How many times have we invoked Clark here? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Perfectly valid. I think it's Asimov, isn't it? No, I From think Foundation? It, I think it's Clark. I think it's Clark? Quick, uh, okay, Google. <laughs> oh, my phone woke up. <laughs> who said any sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic? According to io9gizmodo, 
Arthur C. Clarke was a brilliant futurist and writer, but he is probably most widely known for the third of his famous three laws. Any sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic. Wait, what? Well, I yield the floor. Three laws. Interesting. <laughs> Wasn't, wait, what? What? <laughs> Clark has three? So we know law three. What are laws one and two? I don't know. But we don't have to. I didn't know Clark had laws. I thought that was Asimov. Laws of robotics, yes. Yeah, yeah. Clark's laws. I didn't know that. Oh. Clark's three laws. Law two, the only way of discovering the limits of the possible is to venture a little way past them into the impossible. Hmm. Uh, and one, when a distinguished but elderly scientist states that something is possible, he is almost certainly right. When he states that something is impossible, he is very probably wrong. <laughs> nice. Is that uh, bonus reel worthy? <laughs> <laughs> Probably. <Yeah. laughs> Put that in the blooper reel. Somebody ring a bell. I, I had wanted to say uh, on, on a previous podcast, um, because there, there, was a, there was a long period where we didn't record, mm-hmm. and we had been to tons of places. Like, you'd been to Poland. Oh, right, yeah. Uh, Colin had been all over the U.S., like to Boston and Wisconsin. Yes. And I'd been to California and Israel and the U.K. <laughs> <laughs> and you'd been to the U.K. as right. well. So, but um, whatever. Yeah. What did you want to say? I just wanted to say that that was, uh, oh. but but it was on a previous podcast, and it's not really relevant now. So <laughs> that was so summer based. What are right. you thinking? Right, right. It's, it's probably the bourbon talking. Um, <laughs> no, it's the movie. It's nostalgia. Yeah, yeah, I was say, it's been two hours since <laughs> since James forced that drink on me. Yes, <laughs> I did think it was funny that that you loosened me up with the sixty uh, proof one. Right, and then, then hit me with the hundred and whatever. Well, it's, it's like the rule of, of giving somebody wines. You go from right. sweeter to drier. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yep. That's true. I'm the alcohol guinea pig around yep. here. <laughs> All right. Yeah. <laughs>